0: Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday we began our show by citing from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, where Paul states, "...I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel." Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Eric, it seems to me from reading those passages, That Paul is serious about what he understands the gospel to be as opposed to what others might think the gospel is. I mean, let's, let's face it, when he talks about curses being put on people for teaching wrong doctrine on this subject, that sounds pretty serious, doesn't
1: it? I think so, and you don't hear from him this ecumenical, oh, it really doesn't matter as long as you're sincere and doing your best. You don't hear that from Paul. You're hearing him say, straight and narrow is the path.
0: We know also from Paul's writings in the book of Romans that we are justified by our faith. Not that we are justified by faith in our faith, but our faith in what Christ did on our behalf. And because we believe that what Jesus did, paid for our salvation through his sacrifice on the cross and his bodily resurrection, we can have assurance knowing that our debt, our sin debt, has been paid in full. Anyone who adds to that equation is doing exactly what Paul said we should not do, and that is we are perverting the gospel when we assume anything that's similar to Jesus plus what we do. In yesterday's show, I read a portion from a conference message that was given in April of 2023. It was spoken by K. Brett Natris, who is a member of the First Quorum of the Seventy, and he told the story about a young man named Danny who had kind of walked away, or as he implies later in his talk, got off what Mormons call the covenant path to do what he wanted to do, but then felt he needed to get back on the covenant path, so he goes on a mission, and he accomplishes a number of things. But even though he had accomplished a two-year mission and completed it with honor, he wasn't sure if his sins were forgiven. So he asked Mr. Natrus, "Do you think I have truly been forgiven?" Mr. Natrus's answer was based on all that he saw that this young man had accomplished. No mention at all was the fact that he was forgiven because of what Jesus did. It was all the things that Danny had done. We would argue that that is the very perversion that Paul warned about. Don't go adding to the gospel, because if you do add to the gospel, you've perverted the gospel. And yet we find this similar theme known in Mormonism as the covenant path has been emphasized so much in recent years, especially since Russell M. Nelson became the president of the church in 2018. This is a common expression that we hear over and over and over again. What the covenant path entails is really nothing more than works that must be performed by the member themselves. If they are doing the works, then they are on the covenant path. If they don't do the works, then they are off the covenant path. That's why Natris equated Danny's situation in his story. Danny was off the covenant path, but he wanted to get back on. How did Mr. Natris know that Danny was on the covenant path? By looking at all of Danny's accomplishments, his personal progress. We're not against personal progress. But when you start saying that your personal progress has something to do with being justified, you have just perverted the gospel. You have come under the curse that the Apostle Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 1. Dale Renlin, who's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, is one of those, like Russell M. Nelson, that is notorious for talking about this covenant path. He has mentioned this phrase a number of times, and we're going to look today at a talk that he gave in that same general conference where Mr. Natcher spoke. He gave a a message titled Accessing God's Power Through Covenants, God's Power. Now, what this power really entails might sound a bit confusing because it seems to be that if you're on the covenant path and keeping your covenants, you have This power to access what God has for you. But at the same time, they're constantly telling people to get back on the covenant path, which makes me think that even though you have this alleged power to stay on the covenant path, you can get off the covenant path just as easily. And this can be very confusing. I guess the question when we talk to our LDS friends, in order for them to know whether or not they are qualified for celestial exaltation, is are they at that particular moment you're talking to them on the covenant path? And a question that I asked you, Eric, before we started recording was, how wide is this covenant path? Is it as wide as a lane on a traditional freeway in the United States where it seems like you can do a little bit of staggering sideways maybe, but still going forward? Or is this covenant path as wide as a balance beam used by the gymnasts? I would tend to think by the way it's explained that it's probably only as wide as a balance beam, which means one mess up. And you fall off the balance beam, and then you have to go through the struggle of getting back on the balance beam. But it's something that's quite narrow. If that's the case, how can a Latter-day Saint be so sure that the salvation that they seek is really waiting for them? Because it's only waiting for them if they stay on the proverbial balance beam or the covenant path. What did Dale Renlund have to say about this in his talk when he cites 17th President Russell M. Nelson.
1: And this is found on page 35 of the May 2023 Leohona Magazine. President Russell M. Nelson promised, quote, each person who makes covenants in baptismal fonts and in temples and keeps them has increased access to the power of Jesus Christ to lift us above the pull of this fallen world, end quote. In other words, we can access the power of God, but only when we connect with him through sacred covenants.
0: Well, first of all, we have to understand the covenants that he is talking about in baptismal fonts and in temples. When you are baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you make a promise, you make a covenant, and you make this covenant with all intentions of keeping that covenant. Then he also mentions covenants that are made in temples. One thing that we find in particular with these two covenants, both the baptismal covenant and the temple covenant, is it all has to do with keeping the commandments. Now, who is going to argue that keeping commandments is not a work? Even Latter-day Saints will admit that it is a work, that they are works that must be performed if they have the hope of keeping these particular covenants. But notice, he says, each person who makes covenants in baptismal fonts and in temples and keeps them has increased access to the power of Jesus Christ to lift us above the pull of this fallen world. I would ask the question, well, if I'm on the covenant path and I have this power, this increased access to the power of Jesus Christ, how did I fall off where I need to repent and get back on? Built into the system of Mormonism is their unique doctrine of repentance. Now, I use the word unique purposely I'm very well aware that within Christianity, we have a doctrine of repentance as well. But in Mormonism, it's kind of like the Christian view on steroids. And what I mean by that is when you make the covenant to keep the commandments and you break them, you have to repent of that, which means you've promised never to do that again. That's not a part of our understanding of repentance. Certainly, we want to change course and we want to go into a direction that is pleasing to our Savior, but it's never implied that once you repent that you're never going to have need of repentance again. Now, Mormons would say probably the same thing, but if they're doing it again, they've only proven that their definition doesn't work because if they need to repent of a sin a second time, they never truly repented of that sin the first
1: time. It's almost like the sacrament is a get-out-of-jail card, because you can do that every week and be able to somehow take care of what took place that previous week. Because when I take a look at the covenants that are made at baptism, I'm looking at an article, Come Follow Me for Young Women, and it explains the covenants that are made. When we're baptized, we entered into a covenant with God. We promise to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ always remember him, keep his commandments, and serve him to the end. Heavenly Father promised us a remission of sins, and through the ordinances of confirmation, the gift of the Holy Ghost. We renew this covenant each time we partake of the sacrament. So Bill, every week, Latter-day Saints are taking bread and water, and when they take the bread, this is the prayer that is used for the blessing of the bread. This is what it says. O God, the Eternal Father, we ask Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son and witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of the Son and always remember him and keep his commandments, which he has given them, that they may always have his Spirit to be with them. Amen. So you say that prayer to remember what you said at baptism, the promises you made, and then you drive out from the church parking lot And you probably, within a few minutes, are breaking what God has intended for you to do. And so next week, you're going to have to do this whole thing all over again.
0: I have asked so many Latter-day Saints this question. When they recite that prayer, or when they hear that prayer recited to them, they know they're not going to do that. When is it going to dawn on them that this covenant they're making when they partake of the sacrament or the communion, When are they going to realize these are vain words? You have no intention of keeping those covenants. You know very well your get out of jail card, as you mentioned, Eric, is next week when I can just make this promise again and we start all over again for another seven days. Even though this is supposed to get you the increased access to the power of Jesus Christ, Apparently, it doesn't seem to be working very well as it's understood in Mormonism because they're constantly having to repent. If you die off of the path, you don't get the salvation that you are hoping for.
1: I'm reminded of Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, verse 15, which says, Keep my commandments continually, and a crown of righteousness thou shalt receive. And except thou do this, where I am, you cannot come.